to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Jump podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about random acts of marketing with an expert in this area, John Ryan, Chief Marketing Officer at Authentic Brand, which is a community of fractional CMOs who help growing businesses overcome random acts of marketing and other things, of course. And that is so interesting to have you with us here today. So welcome to our podcast, John. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it. Uh, really my pleasure. And, you know, we like to start a little bit hearing about who you are and what you're up to before we dive into more of the content for today. So, uh, yeah, what are you doing, John? <laughs> well, my name is John Ryan. And to keep it short, I've spent about 30 years in high technology sales and marketing. Uh, I spent the first part of my career for about the first seven or eight years in sales management, and then I moved into marketing. I've been there ever since. Um, so I work for this company, Authentic Brand, which is based here in the United States. And Authentic Brand is a stable of proven and successful fractional chief marketing officers that companies can take advantage of if they're in a position of they need marketing leadership, but they're not ready to hire a full-time CMO. Awesome. So fractional CMOs, I, I've read more and more about that. So it seems like something that is appreciated and, and on, uh, you know, on, on the forefront now and growing so forth. So which are the typical companies that take advantage of a fractional CMO offer, so to say? Okay. So they're usually companies that are looking to grow, Jacob. And they're companies that uh, usually what we've seen are usually, we, we have people that are in the consumer space. We have uh, chief marketing officers that understand consumers. Uh, that's not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, I focus on B2B and software and technology. Uh, and those are a lot of the other companies that we work with, people who come from high tech uh, or, or people who are providing services around high tech. Mm. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so interesting. And that's right up our alley here at Brightvision as well, since we're uh, focused on B2B tech uh, companies and helping them with marketing in different areas. So really, really interesting. And today we're going to talk about random acts of marketing, which you're really you know interested in and passionate about. And uh, you have written some content about it and, and so forth. And, uh, and also something you have probably experienced a lot since you have helped uh, as a consultant companies to to sort out their marketing and so forth so um can you tell us a little bit about what would you like to start what, what's a random act of marketing and why does it occur <laughs> yeah well one thing that we've seen is in and going back to the profile of companies that we want to work with jacob normally they have some marketing team on staff uh, they might have two people they might have six or eight people uh, but they just need some marketing leadership and someone who can speak at the executive level and make sure that marketing is seen as an integrated part of what the company is doing is, and not some department. <laughs> so, mm. so, you know, that's, that's important to point out. What happens in, 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 in random acts of marketing 
is a company will say, well, we need to go do some marketing. So they run out and they do some marketing and, and then they back up and they look at it and they say, well, it didn't do much for us. Well, the reason it didn't do much for you is because it wasn't part of a plan uh, that you were going to be executing on over the next 12 months. And it wasn't integrated with other things that you were doing uh, on the marketing front. So it's kind of like putting one tire on a car and expecting it to go somewhere. And so what, and I know you have a lot of experience with this too. So what happens is you do something in marketing and you say, well, we spent this money, but you didn't support that money with other investments that you were making so that you could take advantage of your investment. And so what we mean by random acts of marketing is we realize that we've gotten behind, we need to do something. So we run out and do something. And then we look at it 60 days, nine days later and say, well, why didn't it meet our expectations? Well, that's why. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And uh, what's the typical solution to this? <laughs> what, what, uh, what are you doing about it and why does it happen, you know? Right. So what we do is we we employ, first of all, you know, you should definitely uh, come talk to us if we see if we can help you. Um, mm -hmm. And I can put you in touch with somebody who can help you sort the right uh, fractional CMO to work with. Doesn't have to be me. Uh, but but what happens is we sit down and we use a number of tools that we have and methodologies to understand where you are, where you want to go. Uh, we want to understand and get you aligned with who your key buyer is, your ICP, your ideal customer profile. We want to understand that. We want to uh, define your personas. It's amazing how many companies have not done their personas and understand who they're going after so, so that they can get alignment. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the problem is with, if you don't have alignment, then you don't have relevancy. So if you invert back from your buyer, let's say you had an ideal customer profile and you said, this is our buyer. If you don't invert backwards from the buyer, you don't build a good plan because you're imagining what the buyer might want. You're imagining what their issues are. You're not really talking about it from the buyer's perspective. You know, buyers, it's, it's like the old saying, I, I don't care about how much you know until I know how much you care. Mm -hmm. So the buyers want to know that you understand what they're in the middle of. And if you can understand that and articulate that back to them as a provider and, and you can show them how to think about something, not how to do something, that's too tactical. But if you can show them how to do something and you can show them how to think about something, then you can get that C-level support that you're looking for in order to get um, a higher status in regard to how that buyer looks at you. Awesome. So interesting. And uh, when you come in as a fractional CMO and help people sort in these things and, and understand, uh, uh, do, you, do you start with a marketing strategy always, like, you know, understanding the buyers or uh, where is the process? You know, where, where do you lay the foundation after, you know, understanding the buyer problems and things like that? And where do you go from there? Well, I, I can't speak for all my fractional CMO colleagues, but for myself, I served on the board of a public company before. And what, what I do, so that's my perspective. My perspective is, what are we trying to do as a company? Mm. Uh, and that's where I start. So what are we trying to do as a company? Let's have that conversation first. And then let's take a look at our 
areas that need to work together, whether it be sales, marketing, development, finance, whatever. The, all of these components work together in order to present our case to the market, our, what I call the ecosystem. So in, in working together, that's how we're going to be successful. So we have to start there. And then we say, okay, well, how can marketing support what we're trying to do? And what is it marketing can contribute to this story that positions us within our ecosystem to be successful? So, so that's that story. I think um, is 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 created in marketing because we have to tell stories, mm-hmm. and we also have to get the organization aligned to what we're trying to do. And then when we actually go to market or go to the ecosystem, we need to distill those messages down for specific personas. Because here's the problem, uh, and I know you know this, we got like eight seconds to get their attention. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's for research. I'm not making that up. So, <laughs> so you've got a headline, you've got something punchy you've got to get through. And that means that you've mm. got to put in a lot of work to decide mm. what those eight seconds are going to say. Yep. And if you don't do that work, you're just adding to their confusion about what to do. Yeah. Yeah. In, so interesting to hear that. And uh, being concise and direct is so important there. That's correct. And um, so another problem is that, you know, a lot of random facts of marketing, I suppose, is based on not knowing what's working and what's not working. And also a lot of people pitching in and, and it's almost like, you know, having kids in school, everybody been in school, so everybody knows in in quotes uh air quotes uh what's a good teacher is like and so forth and it's a little bit like that in marketing why don't we do that why don't we invest in a banner on this site or why don't we go to that fair or attend that uh, exhibition or so so where do you start as as a fraction of cmo in terms of analyzing and and putting out the data on what's you know, worth investing in and, and so forth? Or, or how do you build your data set so you can actually decide what's not random acts of marketing and what is, uh, you know, smart investments instead? Right. Well, I think, you know, and one thing I didn't say was that when I served on the board of a public company and uh, it was a web analytics company. So I'm very uh, steeped in the topic of analytics. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, oh. so I understand analytics. Uh, I love analytics. I love metrics, but it's not a religion. And mm-hmm. what you don't want to do is just get a bunch of data that's not telling you anything. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking for is insight. Uh, and, and everyone should keep that in mind. I'm not looking for data. I'm not looking for just new numbers to stare at. We don't need to measure everything. Not everything is important. I need to get specific KPIs or OKRs that add to my insight and understanding of what's really going on. So let's start mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. so you would you would you would uh, look at an area. Let's say you were looking at um, like, let's say you had an ABM campaign, account-based marketing campaign, and you had your ICPs. You had the industry you were going after. You've got your messages down for that industry. You understand the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Then what you're what you're looking at. Then is, well, what's happening at, let's say, the, you know, the top of the funnel, and, and then what's, what's happening as we go down the funnel, when we go from, okay, we need to get in front of these people with these specific messages, we've got to get them to talk to a BDR or an SDR, we've got to set up a meeting, uh, we've got to have that first call, we've got to get to an RFP, and then eventually, hopefully, 
will get to make a pitch and to sell. So, mm -hmm. so as you're going down that process, understanding what's happening at each stage is super important because customers will go down that customers will go down that path and they'll also step back. And, and so you have to understand what levers are taking place and what you need to measure at each stage as they're moving through those stages. It doesn't take a lot. Uh, you could, you could say there are two or three metrics associated with each stage and that's what we need to understand. Um, and, and it should be, it could be very manual in the beginning. You could say, well, you know, I don't have the money or I don't have the firepower within the company to do a lot of automation. I'm just going to capture information and numbers and I'm going to put those in Excel spreadsheet. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything you can do to express to your management team your leadership team what's happening and where it's happening that's all helpful and and i think that's one of the problems that i see in in marketing sometimes jacob and it's not that marketing is not necessarily doing it it's that sometimes marketing gets relegated to this position of well you're over there doing this thing no i'm not over here doing this thing all this is connected <laughs> mm. and, and and i need to be able to tell you what's going on so one thing yeah. i like to do for instance is mm -hmm. this is one of my my uh, odd parts of odd behavior is I like to go look at web analytics and just dig into it. And I can spend an hour or two just looking at web analytics and I can start to, I can start to get a picture of what mm -hmm. users are really interested in. You know, what, what pages are getting bounced off of, uh, how long are they staying on that page? Uh, and, and I can start to get a picture of what is it those users really care about. And one of the things I'm trying to understand along with that is, well, are we talking about that? Mm. So when they come, when their behavior is telling us one thing, but if they meet us in a meeting, they might be telling us something else. Mm. Yeah. And marrying those things together is is uh, really insightful for marketing and also for the management team. Mm. That's that's so interesting and really good insights there. So really good uh, <laughs> about that. And I think um, I think it's always hard to to know how much you should ask for in terms of reports and KPIs. And so what time cycle are you suggesting? How often should a CMO report to the executive suite or, or you know, upwards, so to say, is it on a weekly basis or monthly basis or what's your uh, cycle there? I think that's a good question. I think it's, I think it's uh, if you're a smaller company, I would say monthly is good. If you're mm -hmm. a more established company and you're doing, you know, you're sort of on the the same cadence as a public company and you're doing 10, Q, 10 Qs or something for the SEC, maybe you would do that quarterly. Um, and, and so you would compare, and then also I would compare what you did last quarter to this quarter. And then I would compare what you did last year in the same quarter to this quarter. Mm. So I would, I would do that. Um, but I think, I think, you know, you, you develop your own cadence and what people are comfortable with, you know, looking at uh, it's good to look backward, but it's also good to, uh, look in your rearview mirror, but then also you have to look forward and say, where are we going? Mm. Uh, so one thing that I've seen companies do is spend a lot of time looking backwards. Um, and, and you want to get, you want to start looking forward in a lot of ways. One of the ways you do that is you spend a lot of time talking to customers mm. and customers you already have to try to understand, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of attention being put on marketing attribution trying to track that, where leads coming from, what have you. But I think we could spend more time talking to our current customers and get a lot of that information. We don't have to track it through automation. Mm. 
all the time. No. Ah, great. Awesome. And uh, so interesting. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. What are the, you know, if you come into a smaller tech company now as a fraction of CMOs and you put into the processes, the strategy and the KPIs and OKRs and everything, get the baselines going there. Where would you invest your marketing budget in today if we're going to talk about more tactical trends? Where do you find from a B2B perspective the best uh the best uh, bang for the buck, so to say, in terms of what kind of marketing you would try to focus on. What, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes, I think there are two areas you want to focus on. One of them is more short term, um, but you have to do the short term. It's it's, and this is a great conversation. I think short term mm-hmm. versus long term. Mm-hmm. So short term, short term to me, uh, you have to do well at in ninety day increments. You've got to show progress in ninety day increments. Uh, but if you can show progress in 90-day increments, then the leadership team is more willing to listen to you about your long-term vision for the company from a marketing standpoint. Mm. Uh, some marketers miss this. They want to talk long-term all the time in the vision. Mm. Uh, that's like having you know a job today and saying, I need to be promoted, but you're not doing very well at the job you have today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're not going to get promoted. Exactly. So, so you promote yourself by uh, turning in those 90-day KPIs so that the management team shows that you have that credibility. But you mm-hmm. also have to have that long-term vision. And I'll tell you why. Because in a B2B world, especially for enterprise sales, if the first time I hear about you as a buyer is during the buying process, you're probably going to lose. Mm. Yeah. If I didn't hear about you one or two years before we got into the buying process, I'm probably not going to choose you because Mm. I already heard about your competitors. I know who they are. Maybe they've been in here to tell me how to think about something, but you're just showing up during the buying process and that's too late for you. Mm. So so if I haven't made the investment during that time to whether it be um, uh, advertising or whether it be writing good content, um, uh, running ABM programs. If I haven't done those things well over the last say year or two, I probably will not be associated with being someone who understands this as well as my competitor does, who has been doing these things. Hmm. So even if you come in, even if you come in during that buying process and you say, "Look, th- you can buy this from me at the lowest price," and you're going to be able to take advantage of that. They're going to look at you and say, yeah, but I'm not getting the value I'm getting out of the other person, even if I was giving the other person more money. Mm. Because the other person taught me how to think about this. And, and so what I would say to companies is make sure you're taking care of both. What's my 90-day plan? What am I doing there? And then what I call horizon two, which is one to three years out, what am I doing to help those buyers that are going to show up in two years that have their big wallets out? who want to buy something? Have I been talking to them? 
And if I haven't been talking to them, I'm basically saying goodbye to that business. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, that's great. So both 90 days tactical focus, you know, produce result now that buys you the long-term investments from, from CFO <laughs> buy-in, so to say. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And what's the typical mistakes companies do that you try to help them avoid uh, when coming in as a fresh CMO? Where, where do you find the most, uh, you know, potholes companies drive into? <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, a couple of things, and then you've got uh, one, one, one other issue. I think one of the things is the random acts of marketing issue. Uh, that mm. is a big mistake. Is is you know having a little bit of money, throwing it at it, or having a lot of money and throwing it at one tactic, and not really understanding if that's going to work, and then being disappointed. Like if you went to a conference that really you should not have been attending, mm. Mm. and you spent a hundred thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden you're saying, well, why didn't that conference work out? Well, it's because you shouldn't have been there. <laughs> So, so you exactly. know, that's, that those are, because the people that you the people that you wanted to talk to were not attending. Yeah. And you didn't really scout that out well enough. I, I I personally, I personally, when it comes to conferences, I'm like, look, if it's not a brand type conference, I need to really take a hard look at why I'm there. In other words, if I'm if I'm conspicuous by not being there, maybe mm -hmm. I shouldn't be there. Yeah. So so that's one thing. That's maybe that will help somebody. Um, the, the other the other part of it is um, I think the other part of it is is not inverting from the buyer, mm -hmm. not as like I talked about before. I won't go over it again, but but not doing that. And I think the third issue is not having a CEO who knows how to back your play. Okay. Yeah. If you and and that go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. What What do you mean with a CEO that's not backing your play? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. So uh, I, you, what I just said about the two years out and the three years mm -hmm. out, if you have a CEO who cannot grasp that for whatever reason, then either you have a CEO that simply cannot grasp it, <laughs> which is a problem. Uh, <laughs> but, but the other thing is, is maybe you don't have enough money to be in business. Yeah. Maybe you just aren't funded well enough mm. and you don't have a plan to get there because the if 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 you're selling a fifty thousand dollar solution today, the way you want to be looking at this is that in two or three years, that average selling price should be seventy five to hundred. And um, how am I going to do that? Well, you're not going to do that, like I said, by showing up in two years and saying, "Hey, we're here with you for your RFP. Let's talk about it." Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. So if you don't have the foresight to start planting those seeds now, then uh, it's like the old Chinese saying is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. The second best time is now. <laughs> so exactly. it's the same thing. It's if, you, if you don't have that figured out now that you've got to plant the seed for what's going to happen two or three years, then you're, you're, you're risking that you're risking your business in two or three years. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's totally how it is. So important, and uh, and I think that's that's always a short term uh, thing that's uh, <laughs> very tempting to do in order to to save the next season. And and it's hard to be long term investing, so to say, in order to see how we can grow over the the long term, etc. 
Yeah, so, so, so I want to say you quickly, just to put a bow on this, is the way I look at this, Jacob, is, is Horizon 1, Horizon 2, Horizon 3. So Horizon 1 is one year or less. Horizon 2 is one to three years. Horizon 3 is three plus. So the way to look at this in your mind is 60, 70% of my time is in Horizon 1, 20% Horizon 2, and 10% Horizon 3. So that's, that's a good That's a great story. breakdown. Perfect, sort yeah. Mind, sort it out in your mind and not put 100% of your time in Horizon 3. <laughs> Don't no, do that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'll be gone. <laughs> yeah, we need to drive leads today as well. That's right. I totally that's agree. Out from a Horizon 3 perspective, what is it you think every company should think about? Because I think uh, it's a little bit depending on what kind of entrepreneur you are. You know, uh, some are very high flying and have big right. visions, you know, and, and are intuitively really good at painting out the future, but maybe lacking the nitty gritty focus on, you know, how's it going today and tomorrow and so forth. And then we have the other ones who's down the ditch and, you know, digging <laughs> and maybe not setting in the helicopter so often. So uh, where do you think you spend those 10%? What should you do in order to to keep that? If you're more like a ditch guy like me, you know, we're, we're digging there and, and every week, every, you know, every day and so forth. But uh, hey, where where are we going? What what questions do you want to have answered in order to keep the the horizon and the three year plan in in um, in check? Right. So I want uh, first of all, I I think that all of us have vision. I think I think all of us can see out three to five years and say uh, this would be a good place to go. This would be a good destination. I I think all of us have that. Some of us. Uh, some of us kind of dwell in it more than others, and I happen to be one of those people. But the 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 uh, the way I look at it is, you're in the middle of an ecosystem, and in that ecosystem, uh, there are probably partners and customers and prospects you have not considered at this point. And what you want to start doing is sitting down, you know, spending some time, like I said, 10 percent a quarter or something, thinking about or musing about who those might be. And not only in the market that you're in, but maybe adjacent to the market that you're in and start thinking about other partners that could help you on your three to five year journey. And when you look at an ecosystem, you're looking at your channels, you're looking at your partners, could be tech partners, you're looking at your current clients and you're also looking at prospects. You wanna understand the whole thing and or at least be able to articulate it and and then you want to march toward becoming a very important player in that ecosystem. Mm. And to become a very important player, Jacob, you have to become an educator. <laughs> so if you have to help people understand how to think about what it is that they value and that are either either causing them pain or something they're aspiring to. Mm. And in so the, the two thoughts I would give you is help to start defining what your ecosystem looks like and start thinking about partners you haven't considered before and then think about well how do i how do i become amazing in that ecosystem and i think if you do that then you'll start asking yourself the right questions awesome i haven't thought about the ecosystem uh analogy there so that was really really interesting awesome and uh if you want to summarize this up, what's the most important recommendation you would give a high-tech 
you know, smaller company might not have built out their marketing function yet. So where should they go from here? <laughs> well, I think, first of all, uh, I want to tell everybody you're doing a lot of the right things. Um, I think that the overlay that you want is to be uh, thoughtful and strategic about where you're going. And I want I want you to get aligned with the rest of your management team, your leadership team to go do that. Um, and I think that by doing that, uh, your position will be elevated within the company. If you can be uh, clear about what you're trying to do and what you're going to go do uh, for the 90 day period and what you wanna do longer term and, and how, how you're going to collaborate with them to get there, then, then I think that kind of solidifies you in that organization. The next thing you want to take a look at is, like I said, defining your ecosystem, what you can do long term. Um, and, and so, like, for instance, um, not all metrics can be measured with numbers, but some of them are important. So, well, I guess this is a number. You could say, well, how many partners did I have this year versus last year? How many partners am I going to have in three years? Um, and these are the kind of questions you want to ask yourself, which are not always brought up. Um, the other one is, is, how am I setting up my organization to build the capabilities that we need in order to provide the marketing the company expects? And then the third one is, is um, how, how are my people getting more educated? This is a fast moving, hyper competitive market we live in. If you're not a lifelong learner, then good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I agree. So, so, so I know that I know that you wouldn't be in a position you're in, Jacob, without being a lifelong learner. I certainly would have been forgotten a long time ago. I think I think being a lifelong learner is not only good for your organization; it's good for you. It's good for humanity, and I just think it's something everyone should subscribe to. Well, thank you so much for those very, very good recommendations, John. And I, I, I can totally comply with that, uh, especially about lifelong learning. I have actually increased my focus on trying to learn and catch up over the years. So uh, I was probably more ignorant in my 20s and 30s than in my 40s and uh, now soon to be 50s. <laughs> but uh, but we yeah, all were. I, well, exactly. <laughs> but it's so much going on in marketing overall. And, uh, and I mean, it's, it's, it could be a full-time job just to read up on everything going on and, you know, new systems, products, tech and, and methodologies that you can try out. But uh, yeah, at least keeping up your learning in some pace, at least uh, that's so, well, so what, good. What you just said though, Jacob, I want everyone to take the emotion that Jacob just expressed about how much he has to get through and think about that for your buyer. Your buyer is going through the same thing and your buyer has a difficult time deciding who to work with because a lot of these organizations look the same. A lot of these solutions and products look the same. So who do you think they're gonna work with? They're gonna work with the provider that educated them on how to think about something. And I think that if, if all of you can take what Jacob just said, the emotion of what he just said, it's really hard to get through all this. That's where your buyer is. And I would encourage you to take that up as part of your mission. That's a great closing word there. Thank you so much, John. And you 
are active on social media and writing content. So for people who really felt that, you know, authentic brand, John Ryan, and, you know, reading up more about random acts of marketing and what you should or not do, uh, where can we send them, John? Well, you can, you can always send me an email at john.ryan at authenticbrand.com. That's john.ryan at authenticbrand.com. I'm on LinkedIn as John W. Ryan. Um, if, you, if you pull, John W. Ryan is, um, there are other John W. Ryans, I think, but um, uh, mine, you can authentic brand, John W. Ryan. You should be able to get to me. You'll find me with my big head and my big picture. <laughs> uh, but uh, always, always happy to talk to anybody about marketing and business and just to say hi, especially for people from Sweden. So it's exciting to get to talk to you, Jacob. Absolutely. And the absolute same to you, John. This was very, very uh, exciting and interesting, and I learned a lot. So thank you so much for your time today, John. And I wish you all the best with Authentic Brand and all your endeavors in the future. Same to you, Jacob. Take care. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.